Hello to you amazing, amazing listeners. Your boys are back, Mahi and Louis, with another episode of Majoring in the Minus podcast. A podcast where we might or might not be talking about how the majority of people focus on the minor things in life. This episode, we have Nick Retat as our guest. Nick is a good friend of ours. He is the founder of Unbranded Fitness, and we get to sit down and talk with Nick about my hot topic for these couple of past week, uh, loyalty. We talk about the importance of having a mentor and getting mentored, and also talk about how the presence of adversity can teach us valuable lessons. With that, I'm just going to let you listen to this episode. Enjoy. Make sure to follow Nick on Unbranded Fitness. Yeah, well, I think it's like people even like don't realize that like even the negative experiences like be gracious for those because like that's what you learn the most from. Yeah, exactly. Now, with with that, actually, I love that. Learn from your uh, you know negative experiences. Let's all give one if we can think of like top of uh, off the top of your head one bad thing that happened to you that kind of like you learned the most from that I learned the most from mm. uh, for, for me it is definitely like so obviously like playing college football like that's something I'm very gracious for like most people so even though I didn't play so like in in the states we have FBS and FCS FBS like the big boys like Alabama you know like LSU the big schools I'm sure you don't know you, you have no clue what the fuck I'm talking about anyways but there's kind of two tiers so it's like division one's the highest tier uh, and then within that, there's like the, the guys who actually like they make a lot of money for their schools. Um, and then there's the guys who are kind of like the scrubs of D1, which is where I played. So it's like a championship series, a little bit smaller. Um, but even though like I played in the smaller, like the smaller group, like I'm still very blessed to have gotten to that 1% of people who get to play division one football. So even within that, uh, I, you know, I played three years, got a really bad concussion. I also got to the point where like, you know, dude, it's a grind. Like I wasn't on scholarship. I was a walk-on. So, um, you know, I was showing up every day. I was paying to go to school. I was doing however many hours a week it is, dude. It's a full-time job with school. Uh, it's, it's crazy, but I was just, I was so worn down. I was starting to hate a sport that I loved and like, I never wanted to, I never wanted to walk away from a sport that I loved hating it. Like I didn't want to have lived the rest of my life, not being able to watch football, like not being able to coach it. If I wanted to coach it, not being able to talk about it with my friends and, and, kids that I train so like for me it was a really hard decision to, to hang it up and like my very last practice of my junior year is so my third year in college I got a really bad concussion and that was kind of the point where I was like okay like like fuck this like it's 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 time to hang it up so like a lot of people could view that as a negative experience like I kind of grew to hate a sport that I loved and like I you know I I, I quit you know like for me like I'm very much somebody who finishes something that they started so hanging it up early for me was like a very tough decision and something that like really, really dug at me for a long time until I finally started, like decided that that was the best decision for me. So like a lot of negative stuff going on at that, at that time, right. You know, like that was a really hard decision. Um, but out of that, I kind of got to, you know, experience my life without football. Cause from the age of seven until I was what 21 at the time, you know, two thirds of my life, I, my life was around football. So for me, I never really got to kind of branch away and experience like what my interests were outside of that. Like I always loved fitness. I always loved like anatomy and movement and that kind of stuff. So because I hung it up, I got to start getting more into that. 
and eventually find my love for the profession of, of training people. So like from something negative, from something positive to something negative, I, I got to grow into something positive again, you know? So like for me, like that was, that was a lot of pressure. That was a lot of stress. That was, I would say a lot of negative experiences. I got to turn into something positive. And like, I don't regret quitting. I don't regret playing. Like people ask me if I regret like even playing. And I'm like, no. So like, I'm very much somebody who never looks back regretting stuff or wanting to change things for what they were. Like I, I always try to take the silver lining from the negative things. And I always try and appreciate the positive things because like eventually they make you who you are or ultimately. I like what you said there, Nick. And Louis knows I say this as well because I hear people say, oh, PT business is saturated. And I'm like, no, PTing is not saturated. It's saturated by shit people. Like yeah, there is a difference between like running a personal training business and like running it like people who don't know how to run it. And like, if they think they're like, you can't be successful, that's just because they're not ready to be successful. It, if you work hard, you can make it, make it happen. So yeah, Nick, uh, your story kind of resonates with me because I also couldn't follow into my like into fitness. And uh, for years I've been like, I'm in marketing now, which is, it's, it's just cool but it's not my full passion. Like it's not something that I want to do for the next 25 years. And I'm really into nutrition, fitness, um, helping people grow and, you know, being in the gym in general. And um, so I've also started similarly in a way to you. Now I'm doing pre-script and I'm learning a lot. And I've also changed the way I did fitness as Mahan knows, you know, I injured myself a lot in the past and uh and now I'm sort of um, like, I'm really enjoying it and I'm kind of kickstarting a freelance coaching thing, but obviously I have to manage it with my, my main job for now, but uh, it is something I want to do. So I kind of get where you're coming from, you know, going from something that you didn't really feel passion for into going into this. And I'm really like grateful for like the prescript courses, learning about allostatic loads. Um, skill acquisition i mean that really helped me a lot and even being coached by mahan has helped me a lot you know because coaches need coaches and i'm really glad that mahan has shown me things that i could apply to cl future clientele as well like tempos i hate your tempos mahan i think one of the key things you said there was apply because i was having this conversation with with killing yesterday about there's, there's a lot of people out there right now who are like just plainly regurgitating information they're learning from these courses and they aren't actually applying it so like they're they're showing that they've they've learned this information but they don't actually understand what they're saying because they, they can't apply it so that's one of the biggest things for me is and it's still one of the biggest things for me is like if i'm learning new concepts or if i have questions or, or whatever it may be like i make sure i do whatever i can to apply it or like try it out and then get my own feedback from it because without application, like, is there truly understanding? Which, like, not saying that they're mutually exclusive, but a lot of the time they can be. Uh, and definitely. And actually, I'm really lucky to have Mohan coaching because he did skill acquisition as well. And because it's a course I did, I get to apply it by, by it being applied to me. Because, like, his programming is based on skill acquisition. And so I can also kind of apply it to clientele or clients because I'm it's it's being worked on me so like I actually see it in motion so I'm actually quite lucky for that I normally don't give praise to Mohan but in this case like 
he deserves it, you know, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He really deserves it, right? <laughs> I'm scared, guys. Like, this sounds like, don't give me too much compliment. But it's like a meta, like, you know, it's, it's I don't know, it's a meta way of training of like applying something to you where you're applying it to someone else and you kind of can, like, you're, you're in this kind of mixture of I, you you know what's happening to you and then you're going to apply it to someone else and like i guess it, i think we all did uh, nick did you do skill acquisition as well i think you did it no yeah i did yeah, yeah you did so it's like what kenyan talked about as well is like you know it's not just about acquiring uh, information and knowledge it's also like retrie- retrieving it as well and bringing it out back out of wherever you've stored it and just like now applying it uh, just to repeat you guys as well like applying what whatever you've learned because it's not about you, you and i it's not about just hoarding information and i agree with you nick you said that like a lot of people are just lost in this moment of i need to learn more and more and more and like i had this conversation with lewis as well like even i i recognize that in myself and i was like all right now i'm just doing so many courses for the sake of like Am I doing it for the sake of just doing courses or am I going to apply it? Because like information overload is a thing as well. Like I was doing PSL1 and kind of uh, Prescript Barbell at the same time. And I could realize like some things are getting lost there because like I have so much information that I'm getting in, but I'm not applying all of it or step by step. So I had to like luckily go back and be like, all right, I'm just going to do like unfold them one by one and try to bring it into how I work with others. Yeah, I almost like to relate it to like investing. You know, it's like if you're if you're saving all this money, like it's like sure you can accumulate a lot of money, but if you never use it, like what's what's the point? Like you're never gonna enjoy the the fruits of your labor. Same thing well as learning. If you never apply it, like are, is it actually productive just to accumulate it? Like sure you can have ten notebooks full of notes, but like if you never have to use it for anything or never know how to use it, like what's the point? And uh, I think this is another tenant of skill acquisition because like. I think coaches should be coaching coaches. So I think it's way, a way for Mahan to practice skill acquisition. It's a way for the coachee to practice applying it because like he's obviously structuring it in a way I'm getting the hit and I'm also kind of structuring it. It makes sense to me now, someone else. So it's like, you know, you're filling your cup and then other people are kind of gaining as well. And so I think coaches in general, I don't know if it's done. I don't think it's done a lot from what I know, but I think all coaches should have a coach because it also opens you up to other modalities, other like sort of strategies, other things that you may lack in your own training. Cause we all lack something like no one's perfect in training. Like for example, I didn't do tempos that much. Like I couldn't even count one, two, three, like Mohan knows. And I'd mix up concentric and eccentric all the time. Uh, but um like that helped because I always went for higher load, for instance, heavier weights. But Mahan showed me that you can, I mean, I always knew it, but I never did it, right? Because I was always used to, okay, I could do 50 kg, let's do 60 kg for 10 reps. But with this, I've learned a new modality, which actually appears in skill acquisition. You know, you can add tempo, you can add time. This, these are all metabolic challenges, gaining, you know, time, distance, load, etc. So I get to practice it with myself, get to practice with others. And I think in general, in any, in any career, in any path, you need a mentor. Or even if it's not a mentor, it's just a buddy to like keep you growing, to keep each other growing. Because the buddy's training and sort of he's coaching you. So he's learning how to coach. He's learning how to improve his uh, communication skills. 
And same thing in a corporate job, like you should always have a buddy or someone who's just there. You can grow off, you can shoot ideas off. He shoots ideas off you. He practices his way of practicing on you. So I think in general, we need the humility to be coached. And I know it's not easy because sometimes like when someone's coaching you, you like, uh, I don't really agree, but you got to trust in the process, whether it's uh, weightlifting, whether it's investment banking, you know, whatever it is, marketing, you have to always be open to other, to having that kind of community focus. I don't know. I just went off topic now, but yeah. No, I actually want to like kind of tie that back in because like, you know what? I started the conversation talking about loyalty. Maybe I'll take loyalty out and put like stomping ego in because people's fault comes at like they cannot bring that, like, you know, they can't get the ego out of the equation. They can't put it in a box and lock it, right? Like, you know, you said people, everyone, should, I think you have to have a mentor. You have to have someone to learn from, but a lot of people cannot stomp that ego down to listen to another person. Like they just want to immediately be like, I'm doing this. There is that like me, me, me in it. And that's why like, even with their business, like whatever they're doing, they try not to give credit to anyone and like immediately turn into like, I did this and I'm the person who's like really good. Whereas like, great people as you said it they're always learning from others and they're always get, like saying that i learned it from this person and this person learned it from that person it's just like a chain event of our kind of creates credibility as well like, like you know this if this has been an ongoing process of you learning from someone who's learned from someone else who learned from someone else who learned from someone else not to repeat myself too many times I think like a lot of the the ego thing comes from our need for like instant gratification and because of that, we kind of gravitate towards objective measures like lifting heavier weight or like lifting more reps. And we kind of, we kind of gravitate or we, we just ignore the subjective side of things. So like, like, what's the quality of what you're doing? Which like obviously doing something's better than doing nothing. So like doing something poorly is better than doing nothing at all. Which is, it sounds kind of funny to say, cause like, obviously you don't want to be doing stuff poorly, but like we, we kind of gravitate towards quantitative measures instead of being subjective, like focusing on quality and, and going from there instead of going from focusing on, on weight, focusing on reps, focusing on like even like earning money, tying it back to the money thing. Like what does your money mean if there's no quality there? Like some people work 60 hour weeks just to make six figures and they have no free time to enjoy it. That was, uh, it's funny you said that because I just had that conversation with Killian. It's like kind of recognizing where you're at and whatever you have for yourself and like just kind of taking a mental note of it rather than just being lost in what, you know, again, the quantity of, like, I guess it's the battle within quality and quantity of like being subjective enough to look at your business, your training, whatever it is, and just kind of recognize it for what it is and then like where it can improve rather than what it can be in the future and like just getting lost in other people's visions for what these things can be for you. That's why it's good to have a coach. That's why it's good to have a mentor, someone to bounce those ideas off of because like your subjective feelings about your business, about how you do a certain lift, about your own programming, are obviously going to be biased. So when you have somebody else who can kind of like shine like a different light on things or even help you look at them differently, that's one of the most valuable things you can have. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how, how humble you are. Everybody's going to have some sort of bias to themselves and whatever they're doing. 
because we, we have emotional attachments because like that's just that's who we are as people and especially when it's your passion it's your career it's something you take pride in like you need someone to kind of tell you like hey like this needs to be looked at differently you don't want an echo chamber you know you don't want to be just balancing the same ideas off of each other and like sucking each other off right like you want you want you want to have somebody who's going to be real with you exactly a, tr- a true friend is not someone who tells you what you want to hear it's someone who slaps your face and tells you no this this isn't this isn't right and i think we need more of that and less fakeness as well i guess but yeah as you said like you need to be challenged by others you need someone to hold a mirror that kind of shows you what you're doing wrong or what could be optimized as opposed to just you know regurgitating the same stuff every year because you're not going to grow you know insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result if you're not growing what you're currently doing then like you have to try something new and sometimes you need someone to just slap your face because as you said we're subjectively attached like we're emotionally attached to what we do and no matter how logical you think you are, you're not actually fully logical because even your logical side is still emotional or subjective to your beliefs because it's all relative, right? Like what's logical to me is not ro- logical to, let's say, a Scientologist. No offense to Scientologists. We win, but, yeah. <laughs> as a friend who, who, you know, who should slap his friends, I'm just going to take this moment. And if you're like an avid listener, if you've, someone who happened to like listen to these podcasts i just want you to remind you that i got so much shit for the like the first couple of episodes that we did for my love for prescript and now this dude louis sits here and keeps like praising prescript whereas he used to accuse me of being part of a cult like literally he's just like yeah like it sounds like you're part of a cult which it kind of dude it kind of is it kind of is a cult now though like it's it's got it's got culty vibes to it which like it's fine you know like any any sort of community like the more it grows the more of a cult it's going to become and that's just the nature of of how it is i think it's um you ever read mark manson's books yeah i see he he uh, wrote subtle art i'm not giving a fuck and uh everything is fucked i can't remember which one it is but in one of those he has an entire chapter called how to start a religion and it's like basically how to start a cult. And like, if you look at that, you can apply it to any sort of like certification, any sort of like multi-level marketing, which I don't want to tie Prescript in with this bullshit because Prescript is awesome. But like, at the same time, like anytime there's a good community, like just the bigger it gets, the more it's going to get like watered down or get kind of ruined. It's going to be like, yeah, exactly. It does give you cult vibes. The only thing like I think at the moment still is different. Like I think, <laughs> the guys themselves don't do it but like people who are part of prescript are just kind of making more of a like a elite, like might make it look like an elitist but i think the difference with between a cult and a prescript is just the fact that like a cult normally has one or two specific voices right but in like prescript you have these guys that can immediately immediately disagree with each other and just like question each other and like that's what keeps it a little bit like more real it's like Jordan might say something and then in the same breath killing can like com- come and disagree with him completely. And they just have a conversation between themselves and like they, um, they're not sold on like selling their ideas, right? Like they're not trying to shove it down your throat. They're just like, this is how I think. 
Right. That's that's part of why I love this so much. I think it's it's just the fact that, and, and with anything, like I would say, a majority of people are sheep. You know, like we just we get herded, and we go with the flow, and don't think about things critically or or try and make any original aspect of things. Um, and like I I think we're just starting to see a lot of that. We are all sheep to a certain extent. We just like, it's like kind of recognizing it and seeing where, how far you're following things. Because like, I'm sure all of us can like think of something that we followed blindly for some time just because it's easier than to believe in something rather than just like think and process it. And it's like, oh, well, this is true. I'm just going to do it like to the smallest degree. Oh, dude, 100%. That's, and that's just like human nature too. Like, yeah. I think it's it's human nature to be a sheep. Exactly. It's like we should be called sheep anyways. But to kind of bring these back, this back to what I started with, I was like, because Nick, you gave your example, but I want Louis to kind of give his story as well. Like, is there any kind of, Nick, I know you did tell about like, you know, going from uh, law, like going from being wanting to be in fitness and going to law and now coming back. But is there like a moment or like a negative that you kind of learned a lot from and like turned into positive or just like, gave you perspective our friendship no sorry uh, i meant um <laughs> no uh no uh i wouldn't call a negative because i think everything can be positive in its own way but just not following through on my fitness thing from the beginning kind of it stalled me in a way not stalled me because you know you can always go into it but I didn't take fitness seriously for like five years or so, like after uni. Well, I mean, I'd still gym, but I wouldn't gym consistently. And so the gains kind of stalled or dropped. And I, I do regret that. Like I do regret the years where I didn't eat that healthy. I, I wasted it on partying where I could have been uh, gymming better or learning more about fitness or uh like you know you know going into that path and there's nothing wrong with having fun i just feel like i could have been more balanced so that kind of it was a wake-up call i guess uh like the last few years have been a wake-up call which i'm glad for it's just that that would be a negative that kind of spurred me into getting into fitness and then us reconnecting i think you talking about prescript and i'm not gonna say like i'm not part of this cult but i do appreciate the, the ways that killian or the the skill acquisition course and now the psl1 course it's just shifted my thinking but seeing you like being so passionate has kind of also helped and that's a negative because it means i have to deal with you but in that i've like it's helped, right? So that's kind of my negative. I don't really have a big negative like other people. So, or at least to me. But my biggest negative is I didn't follow through on being a healthier, better performance-driven person. And I wasted or I dallied a bit, uh, you know, into other things that I didn't really need in my life. The thing is, even if you went down that path, might not be where like you could have you could have just gone like even like a u-turn or you know like if you just really went for your training with the mindset you and i had back then uh, of course where we would oh. be right now yeah of course but i don't 
I try not to like linger on to regrets. Like it's just if if I had to regret, I would at least have fixed my diet. Like even if not my training, I could have because ha- I know how to have a healthy diet. Like I've always been good at nutrition, but I even stopped that. So like and and I guess my sleep. Like I've lost so much sleep over the years. I don't sleep well. Like I don't I haven't slept properly in years and I see the damage. Like I've seen all the times I've been sluggish and I, I kind of regret that. Like it was unnecessary, but like, as you said, like I wouldn't be where I am. I might not have met prescript. I mean, I might not have been involved in prescript. My training might've been gym shark training. Like who knows, oh, but Jesus I try Christ. not to, I know. Right. Look, there are a lot of trainers who still think it's okay to put a new client on a BOSU ball and have them bicep curl. And that's cool, but like, like, why? Right? But I probably would have been that person, you know? I, I mean, we did stupid stuff in uni, Mahan. I remember our training was, was really all over the place. But that helped us grow. I mean, that helps you realize what you're doing is wrong. And, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have a big negative apart from not pursuing this earlier. Like, that, that's my kind of regret in a way. Because I used to really be into it, like the, the analysis, the science bit. And, I, and then I started reading a lot of T-Nation. So what do I know, right? But uh, what about you, Mahan? What's your biggest sort of negative or regret besides our friendship? Uh, for me, neg- I mean, regrets, many. Negative things, many. Um, actually, no regrets. Because I feel like I have that mindset of like, whatever happened to you makes like, delivers you to where you are in life and like that person I am right now I would never change anything about it because like I'm, I'm really comfortable with who I am and I think like the story I always said if you go back in time and you could change something I don't think I would change anything because like then I wouldn't be the same person I am right now but like negatives yeah obviously yeah, again I think Louie and I both our stories are very similar as like a university we were kind of fucked up I, I don't know I can say fuck on this podcast or not but it's our own podcast but i don't even know if we can say that like <laughs> just like louis decides those things but um there was a time and i think uh louis brought that up in like uh, our previous uh, podcast that like i feel much healthier and happier and stronger and everything else at 30 than i did at 22 23 and that's just because we were going down this weird rabbit hole of like drinking partying louis didn't get into it I don't know again I can't, if I can say this on this podcast or not, but I like drugs, smoking, things like that. It was just like it got to a point. I might cut the drugs part out, Louis, no worries. But uh, it got to a point that I was just like looking around at like people I'm hanging out with, and I'm like, okay, if I just go down this 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 path, God knows where I'm gonna come out of. Because and uh, chances of them listening to this like is very nil, but you know you're kind of hitting a low point in your life when one of your friend's names is nature gray bear and i'm not making this up like the guy's name was nature gray bear and we used to party a lot and i'm like okay now this is where you wake up somewhere in the middle of the night and you're like where are whose house is this and like why is this guy called nature and like why am i hanging out with him so i think like that's one of the things that obviously i recognize and i moved away from nature gray bear would you meet this guy at Coachella? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 
you, like in the UK, we have Brighton, which is like kind of like Coachella. Of, I don't know. It would be like if you had a Burning Man, I'm definitely sure it would happen <laughs> yeah. in Brighton. So, um, yeah, but like his actual name is like, it's, and obviously, like, it's not written like nature, it's, it's written like nature, but they say, na- like, they call him nature. So, I don't know. I don't know how I ended up there, man. That's the thing. So, yeah, that's one of the parts of like recognize. And I think we learned that both that like we were in a position of like our lives were just not going well, like you know, it was going downhill. And then another thing that happened around the same time was like I had a lot of financial problems just because like sanctions on the like sanctions like come from Iran, things happen. And suddenly I was just out of money. And like Louis remembers, we used to like start like we went from a party life immediately to being the guys who hand out flyers to our friends who were going to those parties. And like the, 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 cha- the shift in attitude toward like with the friends was very noticeable as well. But like, yeah, those are the things that just kind of put us to where we are right now and uh, make us want to do the things we are. And I guess that's why I'm like so passionate about the things I love because I never want to do things that I didn't enjoy. I think it's super important just to have that perspective too, though. Like, especially we work in an industry where like we're, dealing with all sorts of different people like the more perspective you have the more of a well-rounded person you're going to be i mean like if you're sheltered your whole life if you never go through shit and like i haven't had like a super tough life by any means you know but like it's it's still good to have had those like had those experiences just so you can gain perspective and so you can relate with more people Mm -hmm. yeah like good dose of hardship right like Nobody wants hardship, but it does make you like being, as you said, gives you more perspective. Yeah. And, and I think what also kind of propels me is I kind of want to be a better person or I want to have more emotional intelligence because that's something I kind of lack in general. And um, in general, whether it's coaching people, you know, in the gym or even coaching people at work, like, because as we said, this can apply to anything. I think um meeting a variety of people with different backgrounds different sort of goals needs levels it helps you sort of adapt because no two people i mean i'm not going to say we're all cookie cutter but like no two people are kind of the same you know like the way mahan and i kind of interact with each other is different than say the way mahan and someone else would interact with each other And I think that's a skill you would need to learn in general. So I like practicing it at work. So I think coaching people also fitness-wise is kind of the next step because you have to sort of also quell your sort of frustrations. You have to quell that side of you, that kind of, like I'm, because I'm emotionally not the like most intelligent. uh, I need to practice it more or I turn very militant and very like, give me a hundred push-ups. You call that a push-up. My dead grandma can do better than you, as Mahan knows. And um, so, but but you see, like, while I could do it with Mahan, you can't do it with everyone. And I think that's also a skill in building relationships. So practicing it at work, practicing it with your friends, practicing it uh, coaching. It's, it's just a great way to sort of understand people better. And I think in these polarized times, that's a great skill to have in general. Because we have lost the ability to sort of debate, to sort of understand each other, to sort of, and I'm not just saying polarized politically, it could be polarized. It's just nowadays with the internet and everything, people just don't understand each other. 
anymore. No one wants to listen. No one wants to take the time to drop their ego and just sort of communicate. So I think it's always good to practice it. And coaching is just one realm or one way to do it. And it's fun because I like it. Off of that, I actually want to say like, I mean, Louis is just getting into this, but Nick, I was wondering like, do you think through training clients, is there a lesson? Like I'm trying to think like, like, is there something that you learned? Like, you know, he, he realized that he can't tell everyone that like be harsh to all his clients, like, uh, like to be harsh to his clients the way he was to his friends. So I want to know, if, is there like one lesson that you learned maybe the hard way that like through trying to work with a client one way or another and it just didn't work and you had to just like change tack? I don't think it's necessarily the hard way, but just like realizing that different people need different, uh, need to be communicated with differently. It's like, I already forgot what we were talking about earlier, but it's about like having somebody like be able to slap you in the face. And like, you can't slap people, like some people just can't be slapped in the face if they get slapped in the face, they're going to give up. So like, you need to find a way to communicate with them that like, they need to see things differently, but be sensitive about it. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do in our profession is be able to group people and identify like, who's going to react well from the slap in the face and who isn't. And then, okay, like if these people aren't going to react well to that slap in the face or just being real with them, how can we go about it in a way where we can relay that information to them, get them to see things differently and have them accept it themselves. So a lot of that's just like motivational interviewing, like, like one-on-one um, and, and making them like come to it themselves as opposed to just telling them how it is. Uh, but I think that's like, that's one of the most important skills that we can have in our profession is being able to group people into those kind of two different groups. And it's not always black and white, but finding the best way to communicate with people where it's going to have a positive impact. Because like I said, like for some people, if you, if you're real with them, like they're just going to, you know, curl up in a ball and give up. Other people are going to be like, hell yeah, like I'm going to fix it right now. And like they, they fix it, you know. In life, to be honest, just like learning. I think speaking and communicating is such a big, uh, it's, as Louis likes to say, such a lost art. You know, like people don't even know how to speak to each other and connect and like actually, or even communication is not just speaking, it's listening as well, right? what for sure dude it's it's mostly mostly listening to be honest like like getting into this profession has made me like not just better at my job but it's made me like a a better boyfriend it's made me a a better brother a better son you know like as far as communicating with my friends my my family my girlfriend like just like learning those skills and like kind of grouping my like my family in those same kind of different categories like it helps you just communicate better you know it's because like some people you can talk to more, some people just need to be listened to, you know, and then, and then like, they need to figure out that it's their idea to change whatever needs to be changed. That was on point, man. Like family, friends, relationships, like I hadn't thought about it, but yes, it, just coaching people has made me better at those things as well. My family would beg to disagree. Like probably my mom is like, I don't know if you guys know, like Louis knows. Middle Eastern moms, they just want more and more of you. Like it never ends, but I still agree. <laughs> you, you can be, you, you can get better at that. Yeah, I think I mean, arguably I still suck at it. So it's it's a daily challenge. Honestly, I'm probably better with it in my business than I am with my, my friends and family. But like, it's definitely making me better like uh, all around, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now I know I we said it like jokingly a little bit, but like this is me, like my brain always goes laterally, and I was like, we talked about this, so I actually want to know <laughs> greatest of all time. Because after listening to Prescript podcast about like uh, greatest of all time when it comes to athletes, I I am kind of quick curious to know you guys' opinion. As a, as a pure athlete, I, I'd have to put. It's tough, like probably Ronaldo now, like just as an athlete, not not saying on a talent level or anything, but just his athletic ability, his uh, his sheer determination, his his workout uh, sort of the way he works out, the passion. I w- I would say Ronaldo. I mean, they they did a test on him. He's now thirty six or thirty seven, and they said he has the, the health markers and the body of a 20-year-old. And for someone like that to be playing soccer or football for the rest of the world, uh, that's, that's incredible. Like, I mean, that's... Like, he, he's just an incredible athlete. But, like, it's very hard to group the greatest of all time, right? Because every sport is different. So, I mean... I wouldn't even say he's the greatest footballer. I'd just say he's one of the greatest athletes because there were better footballers. But yeah, he's definitely someone to look up to. Muhammad Ali, he was a fantastic boxer. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's really hard. It's a hard like who who would you pick? I think it's like you guys are right, and like even I got Killian on this as well. And I had his opinion. It's a very, it, it's a weird question. Cause like, first of all, it, there's a lot of personal opinions going there, right? Like you, who you connect to, like, or who inspired you when you were a kid and like watching them grow up or something like that, will have a big say in it. And then like, you can't really pick like the criteria, like having a criteria for it is very difficult because none of it will match. Like for you, it's like athleticism, sheer determination. For me, it might be like the how, effectively change they change the sport for nick it could be something else right so like it's a weird question that's why like i want personal opinions i'm not going to go the path of prescript that they were trying to convince each other like they were they were trying to figure out the question itself but like and if anyone's listening to that like it it's hard to figure out the question itself and each person will have different opinions but i just want to know people's individual opinions so nick have you decided i i think from just general from like a general sports standpoint like thinking about what like what like what, what's the reason for playing a sport for doing a sport like it's to win so just from a pure dominant standpoint i would go floyd mayweather michael phelps and i would go serena williams hmm. just from a dominant standpoint like serena williams was was catching bodies while she was pregnant uh, and then from an athletic standpoint, just like as far as like pure like genetic gift, I would have to go LeBron James, Bo Jackson, probably Usain Bolt. There's not many sprinters that are as tall as he is. Like it's like biologically he shouldn't be good at running, and he is. You know, it's like that's that's one of the most impressive feats to me. And then this dude Bo Jackson could just play whatever sport he wanted to. And then arguably LeBron James could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So those are my six best athletes of all time. Perfect. Good. Well, I mean, for me, like, that's what I mean. Like, it's very individual because um, I come from combat sports. So, I'll, like, most of, like, people on the top of my head will be, like, either boxers or MMA fighters. So, for me, it's Iron, like, you know, Iron Mike because it, it was just, like, weird. Like, the, he, the guy is different. Like, his fights at his prime, just, like, it changed boxing. Boxing wasn't like that. Like, it, he just would destroy things. Um, and then for MMA, as much as I love some some guys now, Anderson Silva, like I think like, because for me, athleticism is if you put like a human being against another human being who will come out still breathing, right? Like the, that's how I would define it to a certain extent. And I was like, all right, so it's a fight to the death. Who wins? I'd be like, probably I would put Anderson Silva as, and also the fact that like, they, they changed sports. So, and then, yeah, I would go with Serena Williams. Uh, Williams. It's like, and that's literally because like the more Killian talked about her and the more I thought about her myself, I was like, fuck yeah, she's a unit. Like you always have respect, but then like when you're looking at her, then you, you said it as well. She came, she was smoking people while she was pregnant. She came back from a pregnancy and like now she's like in her forties and still smoking people. Like Jesus, the conversation the question is fun because you know it even makes you kind of realize how other people think right it's i think it's not about the question anymore it's about like what is the person's definition of the question you give them and how they answer it like it gives you a kind of an outlook into their inner cogs and inner workings yeah definitely because like this is i'm more focused on soft football so like i don't really watch other sports so it's great to sort of hear how other people think and how they define their favorite athlete or because uh, I only see it you know in the lens of you know football so I would have gone with like Ronaldo I've gone with Maradona with Ronaldinho but then like there's so much more but unfortunately I don't understand the nuances of most other sports like tennis I get bored when I watch a match even though I know it's awesome because <laughs> so much technical skill but when I watch it, it's it's just not football. Right? So I get a bit like, oh, yeah. it's not football. But, <laughs> but but it's it's awesome. Like Serena Federer, uh, like these 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 people have been doing it for so long and they've been so successful, and they they deserve that kind of credit. Different types of humans, you know. Yeah, that that's one of the things. That was my like second criteria is like he was just built different, you know. So you can look at it from like for me it's either like a dominant standpoint or just from like an actual athleticism standpoint. Like if you put this person through a, a barrage of sports, like who would come out on top? Now, do you think like so? This is the way I think because again the conversation just kind of made me uh, think about these things as well. Do you think it's uh, when we, you know, say someone's genetically gifted, right? I kind of think it's both physically and mentally as well, because I feel like the person who pushes themselves to be the best in the world, they're not just physically gifted. They're also like, they have this mentality of like, they're made of iron, you know, they're made of steel, sorry, even to say it. And like, you take that same person, put them in another sport from beginning, like starting before the prime and getting to the prime, they're still going to 
be the best at that sport as well because like they just have the mentality of a champion dude and this is this may be a hot take but i almost think there's some sort of like addictive addictive genes in there too mm-hmm. or like the the because like the people so many of the best athletes are also the athletes who are getting like weird headlines in the news for doing weird shit you know like like tiger woods like michael vick and like obviously it's not it's not all of them like even like even like kobe you know like mm-hmm. and it's not like all good athletes are also doing sketchy shit on the side but i think there is some sort of like addictive mindset in there that helps make you great at a sport that also makes you do some other off the wall shit off the field probably hot take of the day yeah but now going back to the original topic (laughs) loyalty loyalty because mahan was very into this topic a week ago so let's Let's just take your take on loyalty in general, whether it's loyalty of uh, a client to a coach or loyalty between friends or any form of loyalty. What's your take and have you had any bad experiences with unloyal people? With unloyal people? Oh man, off the top of my head, I think I've been pretty lucky to have a pretty good circle of, of people, but I think loyalty to me just means like having somebody's back, which in all that that entails, like supporting somebody, like being real with somebody. And like, honestly, I, you can keep it to that. Like it doesn't have to be a super broad and, and, you know, elaborate definition. It just is what it is. Like, do you have someone's back? Like, do you actually genuinely support somebody? Like that's loyalty. And if you aren't willing to do that, if you're not going to support somebody, if you're not going to have their back, then you're not loyal. And apply that however you may. I'm not sure what your take on it is, Mahan, if you were, if you had a big spiel about it last week. But uh, uh, like, that's kind of my two cents on it. Yeah. So for me, like, yeah, same thing. And I think like having someone's back is also like, uh, maybe again, now that looking back at it, maybe loyalty wasn't the best choice of word, but it's like, for me is, the issue that I had that he's talking about is like people not, uh, I get mad at people who clearly, and this is obviously uh, no big shocker. This is going to be like personal experiences. Like you help someone get to a certain point And then the moment they get there, they pretend like they got there themselves. Right. Like for me, it's the issue of credit, like not giving people credit for their, Cause I am like, I don't know, maybe it's a mentality I was brought, like brought up on, but I will give credit till the day I die. Like I give credit to the smallest things and I'm really appreciative of it. And I will still mention it day in, day out. And I feel like when the, that doesn't happen around me, it just kind of triggers me. That, that's, that's where the conversation came from. I think that even falls under my part of my short definition of like, do they support you? Hmm. Like if somebody supports you, and you're responsible for some of their success, they're going to let people know that you had something to do with it because they support what you do and they appreciate you. Like they support you as a person, they support you as a friend, as a mentor, like whatever, whatever the relationship is, like that's loyalty is supporting somebody. So when somebody gets to wherever it is, you help them get to whatever goal or or whatever it may be. If they don't give you any credit for you, they just don't support you. Like simple as that. 
I think that's a value thing too. Is like some people just have fucked up values. If I can say that, I don't know if f bombs are censored on here or not. We'll, we'll remove it. Don't worry. It's fine. Okay. And and by we he means me. I have to go and like get rid of it. And sometimes I let some slip just to see if like he notices. Oh, you okay? I'm gonna start editing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not like. I think that that was the extent of it. And, you know, I opened with that, but then I was like, actually, we go into like other conversations that were much more interesting to me. So I, I tried to steer away from it. But, I, you know, as usual, when Louis, a great friend, he, he brings up my shortcomings and he's like, remember that stupid idea you had for a podcast? Let's just bring it back up and be like, let's talk about it. None of your ideas are stupid, Mahan. Yeah, if all my ideas are stupid, none of them are stupid, right? That's the that's the that's what you're gonna look at it. Something like that. Something like that. But yeah, I think that, yeah, that that was where I was going with it. But you know what? We got like lots of other stuff out of the way. Um, sir, out of the way. I mean, lots of other we covered other stuff that were much more interesting than talking about disloyal people. Now, I think with that we can bring it to an end. Nick, this is where you plug yourself in for our like two followers <laughs> and thousands of imaginary ones two two followers uh you guys can find me on instagram at nick ridpath pt mohan will put that in the bio for me um you can check out some of my content on my, on my website as well that's unbrandedfitness.com um unbranded fitness podcast may be in the works i recorded one with mohan like probably last year that i still haven't posted uh, that's going to be in the works very soon. Um, other than that, yeah, give me a follow, reach out to me. Perfect. Yeah, like super smart. I, I, I'm. It's okay for me to gas you up. Super smart guy. I always love uh, talking to Nick and like it, the stuff he puts on Instagram, the way he talks, the way he looks at training. Uh, I really appreciate it. So yes, we're going to plug those in. If you want to listen to like some, two dummies that keep <laughs> sorry keep listening to measuring in the minus this is where we bring you all the hot stuff about being stupid louis any closing thoughts always drink your organic water oh my god this organic water get out of the way yes we're yeah, gonna dihy start dihydrogen monoxide baby yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right with that thank you so much for listening to measuring in the minus that is it for us